Dr. I, and I'm with my colleague and buddy, Dr. Joe. And it's been a crazy week, folks. Crazy week. I'm glad to be in the service one more time. Every day. And guess what? Our church is going to have service tomorrow. I know. There's so many churches who are coming back to -to face-to-face services after being um, remote for the pandemic. And believe it or not, there's controversy around that, too. Listen, if I start shouting and pass out, (laughs) would you go get a fan and fan me and bring me back to life? Because honestly, I was sick of Zoom. It just completely, I disconnected after six months of Zoom services. And I apologize, Lord. I know it was your word coming through. But just sitting there like a bump on a log with my dogs just didn't do it for me. I think the good news is that it opened up service for people who have a variety of preferences. So most of the churches I've heard of are going to continue their virtual formats in addition to face-to-face formats. So for those people who are out of town or under the weather or just like being at home, that's still an option at so many churches. But for those who want to come in and and do the face-to-face thing like you, that's great too. And of course, the enemy gets up into everything. And so there's controversy about some of the restrictions, rules, policies, or whatever that churches have put into place to try to ensure the safety of the parishioners in what is yet another surge in the pandemic. And that's not what we're talking about today, but you can't avoid talking about it. So there are churches that are requiring masks. There are churches that are requiring vaccines for church leaders. There are churches that you have to make an appointment in advance. There are churches that are socially distancing. And there are always the social media pundits saying, gee, that's not how Jesus treated the lepers. And so I can't wrap my mind around the fact that that that's out there as opposed to us just trying to come back together again and and serve God. So Satan's not going to worry me today or this weekend. And you know what? You provided a great lead into our topic today. We are going back to church tomorrow, but our children and our teenagers went back to school this week. Mm-hmm. And just like there are controversies and questions and protocols to examine and gossip about going back to church, the same thing is happening in the education system. And we have two dedicated educators to talk to this day about what is going on with the back to school process in their world. And the first one um, is a dear friend of mine through a family that I was very close to when I was in banking and that's the best news about being a banker oftentimes the customer becomes your best friend because you're with them all the time but um, this young lady is Teresa Willis and Teresa is a chemistry teacher at uh, in Columbus Public Schools and she is right from here in Columbus. She's been here for a while. And I would like to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Teresa. Hello. Thank you for having me. 
Um, Teresa, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be in front of a, a room full of high school students talking about um, chemicals and biological <laughs> specimens. Right. How did that happen? Well, as you know, I it started, I think, with babysitting. So I've always liked um, kids and being with kids. So I started babysitting even as young as 12. Um, and then when I was in high school, science was my favorite subject. So I loved biology and chemistry, and I took AP biology. Uh, but my senior year of high school, I also had the opportunity to volunteer in a first-grade classroom. So I'd go like about an hour a day, and I love that. So I originally thought I'd be an elementary school teacher. Uh, when I got to college, I went to Kentucky State for my undergraduate degree. I took one education course. Um, I wasn't really thrilled about it, but I knew I really loved science. So I changed my major to biology uh, with a minor in chemistry. And I enjoyed that. Um, I had some different experiences. Um, I, I worked as a phlebotomist when I was in college my senior year. I shadowed a doctor. Um, and I guess uh, for me, what it, what it came down to was, you know, I could handle a dissection when stuff wasn't really live, like when it was contained, <laughs> but I actually passed out in the doctor's office one day when he was doing a procedure, <laughs> so that's what let me know, you know, uh, like the medical field wasn't going to be for me. I still explored it a little bit, but I, for me, I was able to marry two things that I love, science and, and education or being around kids. So instead of teaching first grade, I ended up teaching high school. So I taught uh, biology for my first nine years of my career. Um, I took a little break as a, and I worked more as a counselor. It's called an internship coordinator. So I did that for 10 years where I helped kids find like volunteer opportunities or internships, um, jobs, anything that helps them get exposure to different things so that they can try to figure out what they want to do after high school. Um, and then this is my second year back in the classroom as a chemistry teacher, and I have been loving it. It's been very different, um, especially, you know, the last time I was in the classroom was probably 2010. So a lot of things have changed, and especially going back, you know, in a pandemic. So I've got plenty more to say about that, too. No, I bet you do. Um, tell us about your classroom, about the students that are there, and how are they adjusting to coming back to the classroom? So I would say um, they're they're happy to be back. Like, they're just so happy to, you know, have the interaction. Um, and in Columbus City, you know, keep in mind, our students haven't had – like full capacity um, with the student population or in school every day, five days a week for over a year. We were, you know, sent home in March of 2020. So one, just to be back with everyone there has been great. Um, but I will say uh, it's, a sl it's a slow start. It's a process. You can't expect just because we're back in person and everyone's here, it's not full speed ahead. So um, 
as far as um, like getting off to a good start, one of the things I really took time to do like the first couple of days of school was just to get to know the kids, allow them to get to know me and try to build a strong rapport. That was something that was definitely an obstacle uh, when we were online because with the high school students in our district, we couldn't make them show their face. So you're literally, I mean, I heard you talking about, you know, the Zoom. <laughs> you're tired of Zoom with church. Well, I think everybody was tired of Zoom with school. So sometimes I'm just looking at black squares with names, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that, I mean, so that was the first thing. And honestly, like we just had our first full week of school. I, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're just so happy to be back with everybody. My students, like, their behavior has been excellent. Um, But I definitely am easing into the rigor. You know, I have recalibrated my expectations for students um, because, because it has been so long, you know, since we've been in school every day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been good. Um, I can go on if you want. <laughs> How old are they? So I have uh, mostly juniors. About two-thirds of my students are juniors, and then the rest are seniors. So they're, they're anywhere from, like, 16 to 18 years old. Um, and so... Uh, I, I know, like, the questions you sent me, the, the first thing that I focused on uh, when I was thinking about your questions is what am I doing to get the year off, you know, to a strong to a strong start? So definitely I started with building a rapport with the students. Um, but also a hybrid format because now since we have introduced Zoom, some students are com- very comfortable with learning online and uh, – you know, I'm a seasoned educator, <laughs> so I am more of a paper person, and definitely for chemistry, you know, we're going to have some worksheets where we can use a pencil and write out our, our problems and solve them and stuff like that, but um, I have definitely had to uh, make, make the technology, continue to allow technology to be a part of my class, not just because it's a format that students have become accustomed to, but also, we, ha- we still have students quarantining. Um, so a student may be sent home for 10 days. Well, if, if I only have my work in, in the classroom, then that makes it very difficult for that student to keep up. So I have had students um, already, even though school just started last week, I have had students have to quarantine. But I still have my Google Classroom. So anything that I give like on paper, it's still posted online. And then some assignments are only online. So they'll be in my classroom physically. Everyone now, um, due to the, you know, COVID funds from the government, we have one-to-one technology. So every student has a Chromebook. They bring them to school every day. So um, so they're still able to, to use that technology. Um, but also, like, a big focus for our district has been social-emotional learning. So that was a big part, especially when we were online, um, just doing wellness checks, um, try to 
hear the students' concerns, like what's stressing them out. You know, a lot of students have anxiety. So just to make sure you're putting your finger on the pulse, checking in with students to see how they're doing. Um, and that hasn't stopped because, believe it or not, um, some students are, are really concerned uh, and have anxiety about being in person. So, uh, so that's definitely something that uh, I just try to check in with students and ask them, you know, how things are going and how was class or is there something I could change or, you know, what should we do uh, better? So um, that's something I've been doing. Also review um, because, honestly, if you think about just your own, your own self, if we're, if we're all honest, we've been on Zooms where you, you might check out for a minute. <laughs> um, so our students, even though they may have been uh, logged in, their, their attention span, um, you know, may not always be that long. Uh, and an online learning format isn't for everyone. So definitely uh, we're taking it slow. I've definitely reviewed uh, concepts that I know they have have learned before. Um, and I think we just all have to be flexible. We're in an environment now where, you know, things are changing daily. So so this is Dr. Joe. So when Dr. I first introduced you in this segment, she used the word committed. And I don't know that there's anybody who can observe what our teachers have done over the past year and not truly understand the meaning of committed. Even what you said in the last 10 minutes about all you're doing now back in the classroom is great. So thank you. And perhaps good things do come from bad things. And if we are now learning in hybrid formats and acknowledging that some children learn different, maybe that's something good that can benefit our educational model going forward. I want to ask you especially about your love of science and the, the love that you're trying to instill in our students. So COVID aside for just a moment, we will come back to COVID because I know you said you had a lot okay. to say about that. So you're dealing with, with students who are in their high school years. And of course, that means in just a few years, they will be out in the world. What would you suggest to students and families who have um, children who seem to be demonstrating a love of science? What are the options for them career-wise, and what would you suggest they be doing now in these high school years to prepare for that? Explore. Um, the, mo the more opportunities they're exposed to, the more exploring they can do, the better. Uh, one of the places, COSI had a great series. I'm not really sure if they're, you know, doing that now, but they had, and this would happen on Saturdays, and um, most of the time, the the cost of the program could be waived um, just by filling out a simple form, but they had health science, they had um, like an engineering series. The, the more opportunities you can find to explore, the better. Um, so one of the things I used to do was uh, assist students in getting into career center programs. And the, even the Career Center, it's a great way to explore and see if you like it. I had a student join the Career Center. She um, went to the nursing program. She earned her SCNA. And then when she graduated, she said, "Miss Willis, I want to be a police officer. And you know what I said? Awesome. <laughs> awesome that you figured that out in high school. 
You didn't waste money on tuition and taking classes that you don't need. So um, the more exposure and also, like, even if a student um, isn't, you know, just thinks they like something, even if you can't find a program to do, if you know a professional, reach out. A lot of adults are happy to talk to young people just to impart what they know. Just interviewing a professional uh, can be a great, um, a great way to start just to have some idea uh, to see if that's what you want to do. Um, so th those are a couple of, of suggestions, but sometimes, you know, we have ideas in our head of what a career may be like, and then when you actually experience, experience it, it's often something different. So there's, there's no, nothing better than any kind of real world exposure they can get. Good. So if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, and, and again, another lesson I think we learned last year, and hopefully parents and families saw this, is how important they are. The village is real. Teachers cannot do it all. And so if I'm understanding you correctly, then the parents and guardians and loved ones of students who are exploring their interest in science don't have to be well-versed in science themselves to expose their children to the opportunities that might be in the community to, to get more exposure, as you said, to explore. Is that correct? I don't have to be a scientist myself. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, just just making the call or signing, up, signing them up for a program um, can, can be the start that they need. Uh, another place that has good programs is the Franklin Park Conservatory. They have good programs for high school students if they might be interested in any type of like agriculture or actually culinary um, as well because they do a lot of like farm to table type things um, and and also business because they, they allow the students to run the farmer's market. So even though, it, you know, you might think conservatory, well, I don't like plants, but, you know, there's, there's different avenues that they can take. So as long as you're there, like you said, just to aid them and help them uh, find those opportunities. And if, if, a student, if a student goes to Columbus City Schools, there's an internship coordinator at every high school. So they can, that's definitely a place to start to reach out um, with, to find opportunities. And so for our listeners who aren't in the Columbus and Central Ohio area, it's pretty much a certainty that there are similar resources and opportunities in your communities. If you just do a, a little bit of exploring, learning takes place outside of the classroom as well. Even when we're not a remote, official, learn-at-home environment, there are always learning opportunities within them. Yeah. I have one question, and then we've got to take a break, um, Teresa. Do the okay. students wear masks? Do the teachers wear masks? What's the Absolutely. physical yes. uh, protocol? Yes. In our district, masks are required by everyone, all grade levels, vaccinated or not. Okay. So you said you had a lot more to say about COVID, and we want to hear what you have to say about that. Obviously, this is an overlay on the normal back-to-school angst every year. And so we'd really like to hear what you have to say when we return from this short break on the window. Okay, I'm ready.
We are back on the window talking about back to school. That's a challenge every year. But of course, with the year that we had last year and with the continued pandemic and the surge in the pandemic that's causing this variant to impact our children more than in the past from a health perspective, there's a lot going on with back to school. And and as a result of that, we would like to know the... We would like to share with our audience the protocols that are in place at your school. Now, what school are you teaching at, Teresa? I teach at Fort Hayes Arts and Academic High School. Okay, okay. And that's a historically very successful school in the Columbus School District. So what are the um, regulations and policies to harness and, and manage this COVID situation? So like I said, masks are required. Honestly, though, since we're back at full capacity, it's hard to, like, we don't have the distancing. Um, There were dividers up around each desk. Those are gone. Uh, But we still do a lot of sanitizing. Um, We don't use our water fountains, but now we we have... um, in place of that, there's a way that students can fill their own water bottles instead of actually, you know, using their mouth on the water fountain. Uh, Ew. You know, we're encouraged to take our classes outside when we can, open the windows. There, So, in a way, a lot of things, except for the masks, are back to normal. Now, seating charts are mandatory. So, if you're a teacher that maybe was, like, more flexible, in order to have accurate contact contact tracing we have you know we have to have seating charts um and uh well okay yeah and we still we have lots of cleaning disinfectant things are available and honestly uh you know before covid teachers probably weren't doing that as much as they should so that's that's something that we've kept that I think is very, you know, helpful. We've got spray, we have wipes and paper towels, we have plenty of hand sanitizer, there's lots of masks on hand. So we still have those things, um, but not the social distancing, unfortunately. Are you tracking the number of children that are calling off sick for COVID? So the school nurse does that. Um, and we, I mean, we have had a couple of cases already, um, or, you know, if the students are, are unvaccinated, if they're exposed to someone, um, you know, they still have to quarantine. So at, at every building, the school, the school nurse is in charge of the tracking for, for our cases. And so you mentioned you had a student in your class, if I heard you correctly, who is quarantined. How did that come about, and what's the protocol for students who are quarantined? So I actually, I actually have a couple. So I have one who hasn't started yet because he must have been exposed before school started. Um, I, I have another student who, uh, so he had to be home for 10 days, um, and then he had to get two negative tests before he could come back, so he should be back on Monday. Um, my other student student he had COVID symptoms he didn't necessarily have um 
an exposure that he knew of. But even if a student has COVID symptoms, they have to go home. So they quarantine until they get their test. And then if they don't, if they have a negative test and they're not, and they're, they're not symptomatic, then they can come back. So. So how do you feel in the classroom? Do you feel safe? Do you feel fulfilled? We talked about mental health. How are you doing? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Um, I really do love being around the kids. So um, it it is nice to have them. And like I said, my kids have been great. I couldn't ask for a better group of students. Um but I am concerned. I, I wear two masks at work every day. Um, I definitely am using hand sanitizer, washing my hands. Um, I open my windows. I move around a lot. I, you know, I have an eight-year-old daughter who's unvaccinated. So more than myself, I just, you know, I try to keep myself healthy so that I don't bring anything home to her. And we've learned from previous guests that at this point, your eight-year-old daughter is not eligible to be vaccinated because um, 12 and under um, are, are not yet eligible. So as a, as a parent, what are your thoughts about that and your child's safety? I just try to be careful. So right now we focus on um, outdoor activities. It is nice to have her uh back involved in things but so far all she's participated in is soccer uh, masks are required at her school so that makes me feel good as well um so yeah we don't do a lot of indoors i heard you guys talking about church my church is requiring uh vaccines uh, i'm sorry vaccinated it's in order to go to service, you have to be vaccinated. That's the rule. So that takes me out because I can't bring my daughter. Our church has a wonderful children's ministry. So I really can't wait for her to be a part of that in person. Um, but, you know, we'll watch online and get get our own little lessons at home. So, uh, yeah, we just try to focus on outdoor entertainment right now. Well, I know that Columbus Public Schools is happy to have teachers like you that kind of go with the flow and make the necessary adjustments to get through this challenging, unprecedented period in in our um, history here in Columbus. Um, Teresa, thank you so very much for taking time out of this holiday weekend to tell us about the experiences you're having at Fort Hayes with your children. Uh, my best to your family and enjoy your weekend. And yay for oh. science and scientists. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay, we are going to transition here. Um, and we're also going to have another representative from Columbus Public Schools. And she is the assistant principal at um, East Linden, if my memory serves me correctly. And her name is Cheryl Jones. Cheryl, are you there? I am. I am. Oh, um, I just thank have one. you. Yes. Uh-huh, yes, thank you. Did you say you had a question? 
Well, just one correction. Just that you said assistant principal, not that I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm actually the principal of East Linden. Well, correct actually, me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't have a problem it's with okay. that. It's Listen, okay. I have a tremendous <laughs> amount of respect for principals, um, especially black female principals. Uh, when I was coming along, um, deciding what I was going to do with my life. Um, I kind of talked myself out of education because of all of the responsibility that you must um, take and take willingly um, as the head of, of a school with, with all kinds of moving parts and people and things and classes. So I commend you for pursuing your career in, in as a leader of a school. Um, but but anyway, today we'd like to talk to you about that role, particularly as it pertains to the current environment. Tell us, just as background, what prompted you to pursue a career in education? Well, thank you, thank you. Thank you for asking. Thank you, first off, for having um, us on today. Um, I serve as an educator at East London Elementary School as the school principal with the Columbus City Schools. And so I knew early on that I would become an educator because at 14, I worked with the educational consultant company in the Dayton area, Dayton, Ohio area. And I worked a lot with um, juveniles um, that were having some issues, you know, in school, um, students that needed extra support, with test taking and test strategies. So um, that was my first um, experience with education, with tutoring, and with supporting um, a, co a consultant in the area. And so I knew early on that I was going to make a large impact. And it's been a pleasure um, for me. I served in the Columbus City School District for the last 20 years as an elementary principal, only at two schools, at Liberty Elementary School, and East Linden Elementary School. And you're from Dayton, is that correct? That is correct. I am originally from the Gym City, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> how did you get here? So um, it's interesting that you asked on how I came to Columbus. So I actually um, had a mentor who was my middle school principal. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to say her name because um, in her memory, Barbara Goins. I began doing my student teaching and having some of my experiences in leadership. And so I um, started working at Meadowdale Elementary School in the Dayton City Schools. And at that time, Mrs. Goins, my mentor, she gave me the information about the Columbus City Schools because she felt that it was going to be a good opportunity for me um, to be able to grow, to be able to nurture my experiences, and to be able to um, really be of service um, to Columbus. And so she said, Cheryl, sometimes the, the road might look different for you than what it looks for her. But she said, this is going to be an awesome experience for you. And, and, and it has. It has tremendously been just my greatest, you know, just gift. And in service and helping children and really helping the Columbus community. Um, specifically, right now, I serve in the Linden community and I serve very proudly, um, very um, with a lot of uh, gratefulness, humbleness, and, and um, understanding, you know, just 
the situation that we're dealing with in this pandemic with COVID-19, et cetera. So um, I just always say that, you know, service is all I know. I mean, it's what I've been doing since I was 14 and, um, and younger. So it's been good. So we spent the first part of the show talking to a classroom teacher, a high school classroom. And, of course, your perspective is different in that you are responsible for the whole school and you have younger students. So tell us, if you will, what that experience was like last year and how things are getting off this year. Okay, thank you. So as we know, we have had, um, you know, a lot of challenges with transitioning from, you know, our um, schools being closed back in March of 2020. But I have to tell you that um, at East Linden Elementary School, our staff quickly pivoted and we were already working in the Google platforms, working with, you know, Google Classroom. We were, you know, working with Zoom, working um, in many facets with technology. So our staff was able to pivot quickly um, when we had to go home. And then when we returned in February of 2021, um, we were we were really excited to come back. And even now, um, as we come back and we're all in, we're very excited to be there. Um, it's what we have been trained to do. Um, but I must tell you that it does look quite differently. Um, it is important that we utilize our mitigation strategies of social distancing, three feet, six feet if we can that we are um, utilizing the cleaning strategies like, you know, hand, proper hand washing, um, using sanitizer, and just making sure that we're continuing to follow the protocols of the district. And so, um, you know, we have um, a lot of efforts in place. And like I said, again, we have a lot of mitigation strategies that we're continuing to utilize that really help keep everyone safe. But I must say, first and foremost, is that I have an opportunity to serve with such high qualified professionals um, at East Linden with our amazing staff. And we have an amazing health professional, a school nurse, along with our social emotional support. Because I feel like you have to work from the inside out. And when I say working from the inside out, it's important that our whole school community be well. And so in these first couple of weeks, it's been important that we establish a climate of expectation of our students that we are modeling, you know, by all of our staff, you know, across the district, we're wearing masks and we're making sure that we understand the wellness and how our children, you know, how they had to pivot from being at home so long, um, you know, which was a long time, you know, and then making those adjustments into the cohort where half were coming and that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, the other half was coming Thursday, Friday. So it's pivoting into five days a week. And you've had to deal with the parents too, I would assume. So, yes. So, you know, we have amazing parents. Um, Our parent engagement effort um, has really been amazing in terms of how we engage parents. Um, We talk a lot through social media, you know, through our Zoom, through social media and sharing different events. Um, we use our, you know, our district, um, we refer to it as like an auto dialer or, um, you know, like a, it's a text email blast where we can send messages out. And so um, parents are concerned. They are. Parents are concerned about 
their children and their education as well as their safety. I think it's twofold. And so um, at East Linden, we make sure, you know, that we're available to parents. I have um, a dedicated Google Voice that parents can reach me on, you know, um, that the messages come through, you know, through our Google Voice, like through a platform. Um, we also, of course, at the school have a voicemail, but sometimes, you know, after hours when we're away from the school, I, I realize that they need to be in touch with us. And so I can quickly text our, you know, I can text back, I can call them back, I can resolve issues, you know, like with transportation, academic issues, as well as, you know, a plethora of community support. Because at this time, our families need us you know, more now than ever, you know, in regards to um, sometimes it's dealing with, you know, housing, dealing with more um, social services and other support to really help them and, and to help nurture them. Sometimes they don't always know, um, they may not always know the answers. And, you know, to be quite frank with you, sometimes as educators, we don't always know all the answers, you know, but we, but we do research. We do get back with our families and with our community stakeholders to make sure that they feel, you know, that they feel welcome, that they feel a part um, of the school environment. And again, like I said before, we're all in. And that means that we're all working together. We're all um, there for children and to see them be successful and continue to be nurtured and to continue to be educated, um, you know, and, and to really... Keep going. We are, we're moving toward a break. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And so I just um, I just want to say, you know, it's important that we look at that human side as well. Um, on that, in that piece on wellness and on their social emotional health, that is so important. Um, because you can't perform academically um, if some of your basic needs aren't met, like hunger, housing, you know, and things that may get in the way of you being educated. And that is exactly what I wanted to touch on when we come back Mm -hmm. from our final break here on The Window. We'll be right back. going to refer to you as Soror. Um, You are a member of the magnificent Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority and so are we and we are so glad to have you here um, representing uh, a number of black women, a huge number who came to the sorority from education. So we do appreciate you for that reason. But finally, parents and educators, how do you connect with parents who are impacted by COVID, which is impacting their children in school? Um, How do you maintain that communication with them when they need help, which impacts their students' ability to learn? Yes. So thank you. Thank you for um, the question. So in um, the Columbus City Schools, we work through, um, we refer to it as a multi-tiered support system um, where we um, work specifically with our students around their academic and behavioral health. And 
first and foremost, our parents, our community members, guardians, um, they can call their schools. They can ask for their, you know, administrators and teachers. And the first step is to, you know, to meet, to express what the concern is or the support that's needed. And like I said, we do follow this multi-tier system of support um, where we, um, we meet to discuss, you know, academic concerns or behavior concerns. And then we proceed with um, a plan of support, um, interventions. Um, sometimes it requires acceleration. It can require remediation. Um, you know, it just depends on the level of, um, of impact of a student's academic. Uh, we do know that during the pandemic that there were um, some, some, you know, academic losses with students. And so that requires um, intervention and some remediation where we cover standards from last year. Um, as, as we continue to, you know, build up on a student's learning um, and their academics. And so um, it, it's a multifaceted approach, but for parents, it's important to express and to be involved if you can, you know, and it, can, it, it may look different. Sometimes it can be a phone call, a conversation. And for others, it may mean sitting down and, you know, scheduling a meeting. Um, it could also be an email or a conversation. It could be, it could be a Zoom, you know, just because sometimes we're still not face-to-face. -face. And so it's multifaceted, but involvement um, is amazing. And the best thing is that um, at East Linden is that we meet our parents out every day. We're out. The teachers and I, we come out to greet parents. Um, that's a good time for us to set up meetings. We come out at dismissal. Um, because I noticed that a lot of parents are picking their children up now instead of, you know, instead of putting them on a bus or other transportation. And so we can have some of those conversations, too, to set up meetings or to be in contact or have conversations um, about some of their concerns, too, when they pick up. They may get there a little early, and that lends for us to have some, not a conference, but to have some dialogue of where we need to go, you know, and, and the conversation that we need to have around, like I said, again, acceleration if a child is performing above grade level and remediation if they need if they're in need of additional support. And then the intervention um, piece of, um, you know, just it just depends on um, academically, and I'm referring to like English language, arts, and mathematics, on what standards or what strengths and weaknesses the child has because every child is different. And it's important as educators that we're individualizing instruction and looking at each child um, and their and as a whole, um, you know, in this child-centered environment. So earlier in our conversation, you pointed out something that I quite honestly had forgotten. This is not the first month back to school, if you will, for your district. You all actually started back face-to-face -face sometime near the end of last school year. Is that correct? That is correct. So around um, the beginning of February, our elementary school at East Linden, we came back um, into like a blended learning model where we were in cohorts where students came once a week. You know, um, they may have come on Monday, Tuesday in their cohort. And then the next cohort would have been on Thursday, Friday. And then the days that they weren't in school, they would be um, at home working specifically, you know, online, like in the Google Classroom um, or working through a Zoom or with interventions with the teacher. So that is correct. 
that um, that we did um, go into a blended, blended learning model where sometimes they were in school, sometimes they were at home, and we were limiting the number of students, like in the cohorts. We tried to have like half the two days and half the other two days. Um, and so um, when we came back um, just last, you know, just within these last couple weeks, um, we started back. Our first day was on Thursday, August 26th. And, um, you know, at that time it was – we all, you know, return back. And so we're still, um, you know, having our families register. You know, if you haven't registered, it is very important that your child is registered in school um, and that it's not too late, you know, um, to do the registrations, um, you know, through our district central enrollment office. So. so given your slow transition back into the classroom at the end of last year with the with the altered schedule, and now it appears that you're getting off to a good start this year. Would you say things are back to normal, and, and, and what is normal? Right. So I refer to it as like a new normal, but um, I don't think that we can consider anything normal at this point um, in terms of, you know, of what we knew pre-pandemic 2019. Um, but you know, or 2020, you know, when we started the 2019 school year, kind of what things look like of August 2019, they look very different now for us. And so it is important um, that we continue to um, nurture our families, that we continue to nurture our children. And, um, you know, we want to be all in. We want to be back. And educators, I just need to publicly say this, on behalf of educators, we want to be in school. We want our children to be safe. Um, we want our, you know, families to engage with us. And we, we're here, you know, this is what we have trained to do. You know, I have, um, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to believe, but this is my 24th year in education. And um, it's very different than anything we've ever experienced. And, and I think it's okay, you know, that, thing, you know, that changes occur. It's all in how we pivot and support the process. That's why I talked a lot about resiliency. I talked a lot about um, social emotional health because um, our wellness, you know, it plays a role in how we, how we can um, be available um, totally, you know, in educating the whole child. And when I talk about the whole child support, it's the behavioral side, and the social side and the academic side all coming together. And so um, I hope I answered your question, <laughs> but we're, I'm sorry. No, you, you've, you've done an excellent job in explaining what the relationship is between the children and the administrators. But I'm going to show you how old I am. <laughs> uh, Sora Joe, jo, you might remember this too. Is there still such a thing as a PTA? So, yes, <laughs> there is a parent-teacher association as well as the parent-teacher organization. And all of our schools have a family. We refer to it as a, distri as a district. We have what's called, in Columbus, it's called a family ambassador to help with parent engagement and parent involvement. And that particular um, that particular position, it's a um, it's a consultant service position, 
Um, but they're working on behalf of the district to help us with just what we discussed, helping parents um, be more educated about support, to be um, available to assist parents around our social services, um, to help bridge the gap with parents and staff, you know, to kind of help um, facilitate some of those conversations. But it's an additional support in every school because it's very important. But our PTAs and our PTOs um, are still very involved. And um, again, that information, you know, if anyone out there is interested in being a part of their child's, um, you know, parent organization, it's important, you know, to reach out to the school. Um, and those, you know, in those um, organizations, we meet once a month, sometimes twice a month, just depend on the need. But they really, really still help schools. <laughs> I remember PTAs and PTOs too. <laughs> So we are unfortunately almost out of time. I'm going to ask you a closing question. And since it might catch you off guard, I'm going to give you a minute to think about it while I do an important shout out. But my question for you is going to be, we've talked about kind of, oh, ain't it awful over the past year. And there have been a lot of awful things that have happened in the past year and, and still happening. We have a deadly pandemic and the children in your school, if my understanding from our medical professionals is correct, are still too young to even consider getting the vaccine. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment, even even in the midst of all of the anxiety and the bad things, what good has come out of this and can come out of this going forward for our educational system? Now, while I give you a moment to think about that, we have someone here in the studio who's a sound engineer by night, but a school bus driver by day, and he's been leaping out of his seat as we talk about education. And so I just want to give a shout out to all the support folks um, who, are, who are making this happen, who are helping get our kids educated under these extraordinary times. So. Pastor Wayne Dandridge is <laughs> super bus driver. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But now to go back to this question, is there, is there anything good that's come out of this past year of change and, and transition? So, um, so first and foremost, I have to recognize, if you don't mind, East London Elementary School. We were recognized by the Ohio Association of Elementary School Administrators as a Hall of Fame school. Congratulations. Uh, this, mm, great. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And this award, it was specifically around the work that the staff, our parents, our community, we have a lot of community partners. Um, all of that together is how we won this amazing award in 2020. But yes, I think that a lot of good can come out of um, out of this work, and I am all about building resiliency profiles and sharing stories of success and helping to um, really help to nurture. Again, I, I, I know I kind of beat on this social emotional learning piece, but it's important that we're well, the wellness, because we've had an opportunity for our families to kind of re re. Um, kind of recommit themselves. And I feel like during all of this that has occurred, we kind of have a new investment in ourselves, in each other, how we treat each other. You know, I think that that's important, that we have to um, exert some um, belief in the ethnocentric, you know, where you put yourself in another person's shoes, that we've been able to pivot that um, over this last year. And I hope that that continues, that we continue to be resilient that we continue to be a support to each other and that we continue to communicate with one another, even when we may have a difference of opinion um, that, you know, just that we can continue to be a, um, 
you know, just to be grateful, to be blessed, um, to be thankful. You know, we have so much that we that we have lost, but we also have um, made a lot of gains and learned a lot um, interpersonally. And that's for the children, too. Um, they've learned a lot um, just about what we can overcome and how we can be resilient, um, even when it seems like a crisis. Well, Sora, Cheryl, I'm going to have to kind of wrap up this very, very insightful, informative uh, conversation. You have given us a, 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 a very positive feeling about our children being in the Columbus Public Schools, and we appreciate all that you do and all of the teachers and the support staff at Columbus Public Schools. Um, and we will be here to support you. And I also have to mention there's another organization that supports education that um, Dr. Joe and I belong to, and that's the Coalition of 100 Black Women Central Ohio Chapter. And we have been giving scholarships to black females for quite some time. As a matter of fact, for 10 years, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary here in Central Ohio with a um, a virtual celebration coming up on Thursday. Um, we are very excited about it. We've given out over $50,000 over the last 10 years, and we have tickets available for $35 if you'd like to watch the virtual celebration. And to get more information, go to ncbw. Uh, coc.org NB, ncbwcoc.org um, or give us a call at 614-750-1870 that's my number um, if you need any more information but thank you so much to these very very insightful um, empowering educators in Columbus Public Schools. And we thank you, and we are going to say so long for this week on The Window.
Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m.